Hello and welcome to Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic. And I'm Dale the Seeker or Christian. And uh, today we are going to be talking about spiritual warfare. Think of this as part two uh, from uh, last week's lighthearted discussion on Halloween. Who wants to be the devil? How fun. Um, so, <laughs> anyway... Uh, go ahead and put uh, put away your innocent devil uh, stuff because we're gonna get serious uh, about devil stuff this week, at least as serious as I can bring myself to get. Um, and on that front, let me let me just make a quick announcement. So, uh, Evan Davids, I'm calling you out. I have not forgotten about you, my friend. <laughs> we are going to do the podcast. So here's here's a just a, a little bit of note. You you can all get a little bit of a peek into my life. Uh, so I'm a news writer. I write for a major news site, and um, I also uh, write for a uh, I write high concept commentary uh, for a major uh, startup incubator. And um, so I'm, I'm really busy. I work seven days a week. And um, so it is, it is a, a lot tougher for me to do some of the things that I had on the table to do in a very timely manner. And so I, I just apologize. Uh, some things might fall by the wayside, but uh, David Evans, Ava, Evan Davids, is not going to be one of those that falls by the wayside. We'll just we'll get it done. Um, I've got a stack of uh, Shroud stuff that I need to edit and get on uh, the air. Dale is already done, and so we've had a little bit of a Shroud hiatus. We're going to get back to that in a big way, so it's coming. Um, And uh, we've got a special that we will be recording with Barry Schwartz uh, next week. Uh, so you Shroud fans who really want to dig into that, that's coming. The the, uh, one-on-one with Dale and Alan... I think that's still on. Uh, it got it got pushed back, uh, yeah. but but as far that's as still know, coming. He hasn't he hasn't confirmed. Like I've set it up for November seventeenth. He hasn't confirmed, so I'm just assuming he hasn't responded. So I'm assuming that works for him. Right, but the so the last the last thing I saw from him is that he's still planning to do it. So it's it's just a matter of okay. scheduling there, and um, there was one other. Oh yes, um, Ed Atkins, uh, our friend Ed is uh, will be doing a special. Uh, with him uh, as as well. So these are things that are, in fact, coming. You can hold me to it, just not the win (laughs) of it all. (laughs) So um, that said, uh, yeah, spiritual warfare. Uh, If you have not yet read the blog posts, don't lie. I know you haven't. It's over on skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com. That's skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com. We have a fun little community over there uh, every week uh, from those who do read the blogs and listen to the podcast. And um, there's a lot of lively discussion. We invite you to join in on that. Uh, your comments are welcome. You can send emails directly to skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. That's skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. And without any further ado, spiritual warfare 
in particular, three unresolvable problems with spiritual war theology. So I'm going to try to stick uh, to my notes and the things that I that I wrote on the blog so that um, Dale will not accuse me of going too far afield of what I have written. Uh, so I will just start with my point number one. One of the first unresolvable problems with spiritual war theology is that you cannot distinguish the combatants. Uh, you're, you're walking down the street, you, you meet someone, you say hello, but wait a minute, there's a spiritual war. Is that person a part of the spiritual war? Which side are they on? How can you tell? Maybe you should ask them. If they are clearly not a Christian, perhaps they're wearing some Muslim headwear. Clearly not a Christian, that means that they are an enemy. In fact, a combatant for the devil. Um, is, is everybody a part of this spiritual war? Dale says yes. He says yes in his uh, post, so I'm not reading his mind. Um, so everyone's a combatant. And everyone's either on God's side or Satan's side. I personally think that this is a mentally unstable way to go through the world and view other people. In fact, I would say that it is bat shift crazy, except I think it's worse than that. I think it's dangerous. I think it's highly dangerous. I live in New Jersey. I am in New York all the time. I do uh, a lot of my work in New York. I am surrounded by uh, a million people at a given time who are not Christian or not from a Christian culture. This is not a problem for me. But if I were still a Christian, it would be a problem for me because not only are they not Christians, but they're, but they're Satan's soldiers. And that's not a mentally stable, mentally healthy way to go through the world. And so I would say that because of that, that's probably one of the biggest problems. And in fact, people who are mentally unstable take that information that they are in some kind of uh, war and there's the enemy right there. And in fact, he's not just a bad human. He's working for the devil. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't take much before you see how, you know, this this plays out. In, in the minds uh, of a lot of people who claim to be Christians. Number two, it is an invisible war with no definitive effects on the real world. Now, if a small child came up to me and started babbling about his invisible friend or her invisible friend, I would treat them with kindness, but I would also treat them as if they were slightly mentally ill. Because they're a child, their brain is undeveloped. They are slightly mentally ill, so they have a they have some bit of mental incapacity in the sense that their their brains are woefully undeveloped. So of course, uh, you can expect them to talk this way and think this way. When an adult talks this way and thinks this way, it is no longer cute. Uh, and so when an adult seriously wants me to believe that there are invisible people running around fighting some kind of invisible war that I should be concerned with, I am concerned about them. 
because they have given me no reason to believe that this has happened or that it is happening. And I can see no effects of this spiritual war. If I were to ask Dale, well, Dale, right now, give me a sign that the spiritual war is happening. No matter what he said, I would simply refer it as uh, something that is easily explained by nature. Why do you think that's the product of a spiritual war? He would have no response to that. Uh, and so invisible war with no visible effects, uh, I'm sorry, you can't, uh, unless you can show me some aspect of this war and effects that I can see and know that this is a product of the war and not a part of your fevered imagination, that's, that's an irresolvable problem. And number three, everything the believer thinks that they know about the spiritual war is mere unprovable headcanon. They, they simply have no idea about any factor that you could ask them about the spiritual war. They don't know. So beyond the fact, beyond the idea that they think the Bible says some things about the spiritual war, and I can tell you different Christians believe the Bible says different things about the war. You're not going to get two Christians who agree exactly on the details of the war. It's things that they are making up or that someone else has made up that they've just bought into. But they cannot produce one shred of evidence that would be meaningful to someone who doesn't already have faith. So at the end of the day, the only thing that they can produce as evidence that there is a spiritual war, a spiritual ram, is you've got to have faith, the faith, the faith. And um, that simply is not an explanation, nor was it a particularly good song, in my opinion. So... Uh, yeah, those are, those are irresolvable problems for the spiritual war. I'm sure that we'll get into some interesting conversation, but I am going to turn it over to Dale to tell me where I am wrong. Okay, so um, in, the, in the first place, um, let's just look at you and, and see, are, are you as a skeptic making a claim that uh, the spiritual warfare is not true, that you can somehow prove that angels and demons don't exist or that they're not engaged in some kind of battle or war or contest, whatever you want to call it. Um, would you want to take on the burden of proof and, and make a claim there? Nope. Okay, good. Um, so but also, gonna... I also don't see any reason why I would. Uh, so there's, there's nothing, there's no reason that's compelling me to say there's no such thing as a spiritual war. It is, you know, my null position is I don't see it. It doesn't affect me. I don't see why I should believe you when you say there is. Cool. Yep. And that, I would admit, so that that is the proper position to take. And I'm going to, because it's not fair, totally fair for me in this week to say, oh, well, it's David's week. It's his claim. Because technically speaking, I sort of started it last week in my Halloween blog and, and David split that up for me. So I'm going to take on and admit that in terms of making a provable claim, I don't think I can prove, uh, at least directly, that there is a spiritual warfare going on um, in a way that would convince a, a skeptic. Um, my belief as to why the spiritual war is going on is primarily, um, and I would probably say only, based on, well, divine revelation tells me. So I could only try to prove it indirectly at best. If I wanted to convince a skeptic, I would have to prove that Christianity is true uh, and that the Bible is sufficiently attached um, to, to Christianity and that the Bible then teaches 
spiritual wars going on and teaches these various doctrines. Um, so yeah, I, I will admit that on that front. But let me let me let me just see if I can broaden the scope for you then a little bit because I I want to know exactly how what you think you can prove if you were dealing with a Christian who just didn't happen to be one of these spiritual war Christians, do you think you have enough evidence to convince them that there's a spiritual war? Uh, yeah, like, do you mean directly or in like through the Bible? Yeah, they... so, well, however you would convince a Christian, because apparently they have a different epistemology uh, than non-Christians. So let's just say they are some flavor of Christian, but they happen to be a flavor of Christian that doesn't buy into the spiritual war. How would you prove sure. it to them? Sure. So I would do it in the same way I prove to the skeptic, but I would just skip the hard work of having to prove Christianity is true or that the Bible's sufficiently attached, because um, presumably as a Christian, they would already believe that. So I would just go to, well, the Bible teaches that a spiritual war is going on and try to argue with them from the Bible that the best interpretation is that there is a, a spiritual battle between the forces of evil and the forces of good. Okay, so they would probably respond with something like, well, the Bible also teaches that you should kill homosexuals, and we don't do that. So the Bible teaches okay. is not sufficient for e even for Christians. Um, you know, there are certain Christians where they're, oh, God said it, I believe in that, I'll settle it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not actually <laughs> really worried about them so much. Um, but yeah, just just saying that you think the Bible teaches it is is not sufficient for the kind of Christian that I'm thinking about. Okay, so th this Christian would just say, yeah, sure, I, I see those verses, and, and you've got the right interpretation, but guess what? They're errors. I don't believe it. Is, is that who I'm interacting yeah, with? Yeah, they would probably say something like that, or maybe okay. they would say, this, was po this is poetic language. Uh, this is this is not uh, literal language uh, describing some literal realm where literal creatures are literally fighting some literal war. Okay, so so then in that case, that's where I would point to um, my argument from undue confusion, and this time I, I wouldn't even be necessarily adulterating it in a in a Christian way. I would just take the same argument that skeptics themselves give um, on that front that God would not allow that, very probably would not allow that type of error to occur um, because of the resultant confusion, which I would argue is very probably undue confusion. Um, so that's how I would try to reach out and convince that skeptic that, sure, it's it's possible that this could be an error. Uh, you're, you're still a Christian. I, I wouldn't deny that you've got all the essential Christian beliefs even if you deny Satan and all and all the demons and all of that. Um, but I would just say that very probably this isn't, and this wouldn't be an error because of that, the same argument that skeptics use on infidels.org. I'm not even con converting it at this point into a, a Christian-type argument for undue confusion. I'm just, here's the, here's the skeptical argument from biblical defects and or confusion. Okay, well, I... So, look, I don't, I'm not going to stay on that uh, too long. I, I know that we didn't prep for that. But I, uh, my own father, I'm trying to think of what he thinks about the spiritual war. Um, we didn't come from a denomination that spent a lot of time worrying about angels and demons uh, behind every corner. Uh, so we, we weren't those people. Um, and you know what? I have, I have to admit, I, 
based on I was totally wrong, but I I would have guessed before you told me you were a cessationist. I would have guessed you were that type um, of Christian. But so I <laughs> that shows you how horrible I am at judging. And <laughs> oh, I think it, I think it shows you how diverse uh, the landscape of Christianity is. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we we weren't really that type. If if I had to guess. And I know that my father does not listen to this podcast and will never listen. So, uh, but that said, if I had to guess, I would think that he probably believes vaguely in some spiritual war. I mean, if some Christians using that terminology, he would he would uh, recognize it, but he wouldn't understand it the same way they do. And for instance, the idea of a third of the angels. Um, leaving with Lucifer and Lucifer creating a, a war in heaven. Uh, he, I think he would agree with me on this, that that, that was in fact not literal. In fact, I, I say this from time to time. I, I, I write about the, the third of the angels leaving with the other guy and that sort of thing, simply because that's how Christians read it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how most Christians that I know read it. I think that most Christians are wrong. I thought that even when I was a Christian. That's a terrible interpretation of that passage. Uh, that is that is not uh, a literal war with literal Satan, literal angels. This is this is actually talking about uh, things that happen on Earth, but it's using a lot of apocalyptic language to describe it. And so, it's reading that passage in Daniel literally is a lot like reading the Book of Revelation literally. It's a big mistake. Uh, and I think that people uh, take take that on and make that mistake. However, as a non-believer, it's not my job to, to help people understand the Bible better. Um, so Why not? Why not? According not, to you, not when they job. understand it, when Don't. they understand it, they'll reject it, right? Well, it's look, I can, so I, but you see, I can mock it either way. So okay. it, right. I don't, it is not really important to me whether you understand the literature correctly or not. But for the record, I think uh, you and probably uh, at least half Christians out there do not even understand the literature uh, that you're reading. This is how people end up thinking, um, you know, believing that there there must be, in fact, a six-day creation. Um you know, in you know, talking snakes and people who lived for uh, nine hundred years. And uh, wait, wait a second, I'm sorry. Are, uh, I, are you saying that that's the wrong interpretation of the Bible? That it's actually, actually, no, I'm not saying that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you would well, not you. I don't know, uh, not you. But half the Christians that we know who uh, talk on unbelievable would say that. <laughs> Justin would say that. Uh, most of his guests would say that. Um, and so it's a very complicated thing, and people do not understand uh, the literature that they're looking at. They don't know what the original writers were saying. Um, and so I usually talk about these things the way most Christians talk about them, not the way I believe the literature is actually talking. Uh, so in this case, though, I just want to come out and say, I don't think that uh, the literature is actually talking about some spirit, some literal war in heaven and, and some literal third of the angels going with the other guy. Um, so, yeah, you will hear me say that. I probably uh, alluded to that in the book. But once again, that's because that's how Christians talk about it, not because that's how to best understand the literature. Okay. 
Um, okay, so so when I I, 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 I got I got sidetracked simply because you were saying you pointed out the Bible, and I was saying no, well they wouldn't they wouldn't agree that just because you see that in the Bible that that's what it means. They would explain to you just like I explained to you. You're misunderstanding what the Bible's saying. Yeah, so it's so they would take me on on an interpretational level. Yes. Um, okay, and out of curiosity, what do you think the proper interpretation? What what is the what are the verses that speak of Lucifer's fall and Satan's fall and and Satan as the uh, a roaming lion on the earth trying to devour people? Like what what does that mean then? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, it's been it has been a while since I've since I've delved in it. You just as well ask me to interpret Revelation for you. Um, okay. I okay. don't so, know, don't care, but it doesn't mean uh, credit cards with the number six 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 on it. <laughs> so, oh, not, yeah, not okay, not I mean, in fact what that means. Uh, so I don't I don't actually have to know exactly what it means to know exactly what it doesn't in this case. That said, um, some of the stuff in Daniel, uh, you know, we're probably talking about uh, Assyria or Persia, you know, some of the some of the great realms and the great princes that were uh, uh, going concerns for uh, uh, Israel at that time. So, some something along those lines. I would I would have to actually do a deep dive again to give you a more full explanation than that. Okay. Um, so yeah, that uh, if that's the case, then as a Christian trying to, you obviously get into it and try to argue proper hermeneutics and the proper interpretation of those those verses. I I happen to think that it does mean it literally. When when Satan tempted Jesus in the uh, in the desert, that that's that actually happened. The Bible means for us to take that. Literally, in that, right. in and that I, case. And I happen to think it's Matthew misunderstanding the literature. Because that wouldn't be the first time that Matthew misunderstood the literature that he wrote about. Uh, well, well, we'll find out about that. But, uh, well, um, but it, but it okay, really but wouldn't. Let's say that's I mean, true, the, whole, but... the whole version thing is Matthew misinterpreting uh, the literature. We'll find out next week, because that's, that's one of the first things I'm going to be bringing up on the Messianic prophecies. Cool. Matthew right. did not misunderstand it, I would say. He uh, misunderstood. <laughs> I'm not saying he was a terrible it's, it's... writer. It wasn't, I mean, as, as a guy who writes words, you know, Matthew wrote some interesting words. But as a guy writing true things about the real world, uh, no. And as a as a historian who's reaching back to ancient uh, Israel and ancient Hebrew sources, he was lousy. He was as bad as I am. In fact, he's worse. Okay. Well, um, I, I don't want to. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be discussing so, this. I will. I will step. I will step back from that. So I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm not trying to take that. Too well, far. I'm, I'm debating. Should I respond to it or don't? Don't yeah, people, just let it go, yeah. squirrel. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, it's it's coming up next week because Matthew Matthew is great in terms of the virgin birth. He got it beautifully. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I know you. Uh, okay, so I'll quite acclaim Dale. We'll see if I can establish that next week, then, or yes. at least establish that Matthew is not in error in what in his interpretation. Um, Okay, so yeah, on the interpretational level, yeah, it's what it's what I would. You would have to interact with that. You can't. You would have to try and argue with this Christian that the literal interpretation of 
what we're calling a spiritual war. Um, I'm happy if you want to call it a spiritual contest. It doesn't matter to me. It's it's not actually literally, literally um, a fight. Uh, like they're not shooting space guns at each other, that sort of thing, I don't believe. I think it's the object of the war, the goal of the war is good versus evil in any form. Evil is trying to triumph over God okay, and what, hold on. forces of okay, good. I'm sorry. Interpret. I need you to interpret that a little bit. What do you mean by good versus evil? What? I mean, sure. So flesh that out. In, sure. So it's rebelling against goodness or the standard of good, which is God in the Christian worldview. So the first. Uh, okay. So instant, good versus evil is God versus none God. Yeah, pretty much. When okay, you're not. That's kind of silly. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's, what's silly about it even well um, but, but you're not talking about good versus evil in a way that anybody listening to you interacts with those words when we talk about good and evil we we're thinking about social uh pro-social versus anti-social uh behaviors and outcomes when a christian is talking about good versus evil they are sneaking in uh and a different definition, they could care less about social, uh, pro-social versus anti-social behavior. All they care about is pro-God versus anti-God. Uh, and that is what they call good versus evil. And I just want to point that out to anyone who's listening. Uh, so already, when you talk about a war versus, you know, the goal of the war is good versus evil, you are not, in fact, using a language that uh, the average listener uh, thinks you're using. What you're really saying is God versus non-God. And, and that's just senseless when you're talking about, you know, some kind of war. So once again, I would say that this is more reason why the non-Christian has no reason to uh, give a fig about this imaginary war. Because they are not, in fact, talking about pro-social versus antisocial behavior. They're talking about their very imaginary God versus the anti-imaginary God. So what? Screw it. Be okay, beautiful. So... This leads where I was, I was trying to go. So, yeah, basically, I was, first of all, I was saying, what does the Bible teach? The Bible does not think of morality in the terms that you describe, right? So the first thing I was doing was saying what I've learned that the Bible teaches about spiritual warfare. What is, what is it that Christians believe uh, on a biblical basis? Now, that's right. Um, I wouldn't expect... I wouldn't come to you and just present that um, to, as a skeptic and try to see Satan, Lucifer rebelled against um, Lucifer rebelled against uh, God. There, that's proof that there's a spiritual war going on. Or uh, the Bible says that Satan roams the earth like a raging lion, trying to devour uh, whoever he can. Um, of course, you're right. Um, that wouldn't convince a skeptic. And that's why I admitted at the top of the show, if I were making a claim, I don't think I'd be able to prove that there is this spiritual war going on, at least directly. Um, I can't, I don't, to the best of my knowledge, I can't establish that claim. Maybe okay, someone's come even, up with that. Even beyond but, proof though. But, oh, I was going to, okay. I was going to get to the, to the second part that you asked me to remember to bring up. But, okay. Well, um, yeah. But before we get there, I just okay. want to, I just want to seal off this thought because you keep talking about, you can't prove it. I'm beyond proof. You can't even make me care because the stakes that you are providing is good versus evil, but you're not talking about it in a way that matters to me. You see, I actually care about pro-social versus anti-social uh, behavior and outcomes. I care about that. So if you talked about this war in terms of that, 
maybe you would have something where I would listen further. But in fact, what you were really talking about is God versus anti-God. Uh, and that is, that is not a version of good versus evil that matters to me one bit. Sure. So that I see that as a separate conversation, right? Like that, that's a part of the moral argument. That's a part of discussing, you know, is, is God necessary for morality? Val posted a, a great debate with Winling Craig and uh, Kagan. Um, I recommend everyone listen to that. It was, it was the topic on Unbelievable Today, I believe, as well. Um, yeah, I haven't, so yeah, I haven't that, listened to it yet. I, I yeah. started on it, but I haven't finished. Okay. Um, so cool. So that would be the topic. Um, in, in the context of establishing spiritual warfare, though, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to address a skeptic on, on that front. Like, that would be, to my mind, that's a different topic of addressing, well, is your standard good? Does it provide necessary moral truths, which are the only thing that matter to me? Um, although I've, I've given some more, yeah, I think we should bring that up. But in the context of spiritual warfare, we're, we're just at, talking about what does the Bible teach um, under an understanding, uh, biblical understanding of good, of what it means to be good versus evil, um, in order to, okay, well, what can we glean biblically about this spiritual warfare? I mean, this, this was part of your blog. You, uh, I know you told me today that you don't care about those answers, but um, it was part of the blog. So I, I answered those. That's the first part. But here, here's the part that you asked me to bring up for today. And is, is a Christian... Uh, able to rationally believe these things just because the Bible says so. And um, yeah, the answer is yes, we can. If I'm warranted in believing Christianity is true, and if I'm warranted in believing that the Bible is sufficiently attached to Christianity, then yes, I, I think that the Christian is indirectly warranted in believing these doctrines. Um, now, the issue of, okay, but there can be Bible errors. Um, so th this is where my notion of uh, undue, the undue confusion comes in as an argument. And I, I say that there's different significances uh, to the various errors. So here's, here's something that might help uh, skeptics in, in understanding, you know, like wh why, why is Dale's so vehement in, in rejecting anything immoral? Like it, I'm not sure if anyone would remember, but, you asked me at one time before I became a Christian about the topic of um, women in the Bible or, or sexism. Mm -hmm. You you mislabeled it misogyny, which I think is a mislabel, but let's call it there is sexism in the Bible. I think on a balance of probabilities, um, I would say, yeah, there are commands that someone would say are probably, I if I left on my own, I would say it's probably immoral. I think it's a weak argument. I was about 65% at that time. So you don't think that um, sexism is misogyny? In the, in the Bible, the sexism in the Bible kind of thing. And I, I mean, generally speaking, are you making a special pleading for the Bible? Well, I'm just saying in the biblical, it's, it's the same. Answer. You said that so it's sexism, sex but not misogyny. And I'm just wondering how you got there. I mean, if you're, if you're willing to say it's sexism, women, <laughs> so sexism you don't isn't... so you don't think that sexism is misogyny no i think they're different okay. that's why they're different words in the, in oh, the... okay we got it we have a lot of words that can be used interchangeably yeah. here so yeah they're different words but that doesn't mean that they uh, really 
reflect uh, vastly different ideas. Sure. So, so yeah, it's, we should we should do a show on that. But it, I, you know, we did we did do a blog on hate speech. So like I I, I have misogyny means you hate women. So I have a I go by the strict definition. Okay. Sex, you can be sexist without hating women, kind of thing, right? So so that's why well, I make that distinction. That's kind of like saying you can be racist without hating blacks. Yeah, I that was the example we used in the in the blogs. I and I think I'm that I'm pretty sure I rejected that too. But <laughs> go you ahead. Did, you did, yeah. yeah. And, and to your credit, you you see it differently. You've got more of the we have different understandings of what hate speech is then. So that okay, great. So that's not the point of uh, the blog. No, Why no. was I bringing that up? So so yeah, so if you ask me today though, um okay, and in the first place, when I looked into it, I did change my mind uh, a bit on the interpretation of those specific verses. I'm a little bit more nebulous now. I'm not at the 65%, but let's pretend I'm still there, right? So as a Christian now, if you ask me, I would say, no, I don't believe that's an error. I don't believe it's immoral for the Bible to say that. What? But I've, you know, the skeptics proven on a balance of probabilities that to my satisfaction that this is an these uh, verses supporting sexism are immoral. So how can you say now that you're a Christian, now it's not immoral? And this gets into because there are overriding probabilities. And given that I think overall Christianity is true and that God is a morally perfect being uh, and that the Bible is sufficiently attached to Christianity, um, then in light of, and I, via my argument from undue confusion. I, I think it's very unlikely. I'm 95% certain that God could not allow um, either moral commandment errors uh, or major theological doctrine, doctrinal errors, such as the spiritual warfare. I would, I would count that as a very important doctrine, theological doctrine, uh, and the existence of Satan and that sort of thing. So because if God did allow that, that would lead to undue confusion. So given that overriding argument, this is why I go, okay, well, in isolation, I'm 65% convinced that these verses are immoral. But given this overriding probability or overriding argument, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I think somehow I've got that wrong. I'm going to place my faith in the 35% doubt that this isn't immoral. And, you know, some somehow I messed up and I'll figure it out. But um, so yeah, that that was the point that you wanted me to raise, raise on the show this overriding probability type thing. Yes, and I wanted um, people to kind of see how your epistemology worked a little bit on this, and uh, maybe have a little bit of conversation around it, um, j just so that uh, everyone is clear. We did have this discussion before we hit record, and so I'm not trying to have the discussion as fully on mic as we did off mic. I just want to make sure that. Everyone understands where we're coming from. And if I can, you know, maybe get Dale to repeat the things that I believe that he said, I think that that would be sufficient for me. So after that, I accused Dale of being a biblical literalist. And, you know, he continues to pretend that he's not. Uh, and I keep telling him, just stop, just stop with that and own it. <laughs> just own it. Because every, every time something comes up, his response is, uh, well, it's in the Bible. 
Uh, in fact, uh, before we hit the mic, he made a uh, statement about this spiritual warfare. Well, you know, it's in the Bible, and that's why it's believable. That's why, you know, you should believe it. And that is that is biblical literalism. Just look it over the dictionary. Uh, it'll say, see what Dale just said. Um, so... I, I just get one one moment. I know that uh, Dale has an out for this, which I call a game. He doesn't like that term, but uh, I I do think it's a game. I think the listeners would agree. And what that looks like is something like this. So Dale will say, "Yes, I I do think that um, the Bible could have errors, but." The Bible couldn't have errors on certain key issues. Therefore, uh, if, for instance, it couldn't have errors that would bring doubt on the proposition of Christianity being true. That's that's where that's where he would draw the line. And therefore, since he has already concluded that Christianity is most probably true, then those errors cannot exist so it's it's a little bit of a game and a little bit of a little bit of a you know see if we can find the ball under the shell um yes there could be errors in the bible but no there really can't be errors in the bible because that kind of error would bring doubt on christianity so uh in that sense dale really is a biblicist and he's he's about to deny this now but i just want you to know what i mean when i call him that Okay, so I'm I'm not actually gonna because you were very you you use different terms. So, am am I a biblicist? Yeah, I, I wouldn't deny that. Am I? I think what you mean by that is that I'm a biblical inerrantist. And no, I'm I'm not on that front. Except do... for things that uh, speak to the truth of Christianity, you do believe that those are inerrant. Because yeah. you because that's that's what I'm talking about. So you will not, in fact, consider that anything in the Bible that speaks to the truth of Christianity could possibly be wrong. That is inerritism. Well, I would consider it. So it depends in the context that you're talking about, right? So with these moral things, actually, I I could consider it. It's it's virtually so. In order for a skeptic to get me to go, yeah, there's a moral error, right? Because I'm I haven't overriding argument uh right your your overriding argument is that christianity is true right i just want to clarify that that's part of it it's it's that and it's also that the bible is sufficiently attached to christianity and that the argument from undue confusion uh you know biblical undue confusion kind of thing so that that's the overriding argument those three elements go together to override where so in order for a skeptic to get me to go, yeah, th- this is a moral error, um, as a Christian, given those, given the overriding argument, you would have to convince me 95.01% uh, that this is a morally error before I will go, yeah, I- I'm going to follow my conscience and say that's a moral error. Um, before I was a Christian, though, I, I wasn't in that context, right? I-, I was evaluating these things in the sense of, is Christianity true or not? And in that front, I went, okay, because I think this these sexist verses are immoral, okay, that's 65% of a negative evidence that counts against Christianity. So it, it depends which context 
you're asking me in. There, there's a clear difference now. Now I'm answering these questions as a Christian. And what do I believe as a Christian? No, I don't believe these verses are, are an error. Uh, you haven't met, uh, you haven't made a sufficient argument that can uh, overturn or override this overriding argument. And, and if Val, Val's no one listening... Could. Your Christianity is completely unfalsifiable. Your Christianity is the one thing that cannot be questioned because you have determined that it is already probable. So since Christianity is true, then uh, these these areas uh, of undue confusion must go in a way that does not conflict with Christianity. And so you are, in fact, not honestly considering the possibility of error. You have already made that determination. It's, well, on the essential beliefs, that would be correct. Um, on the moral errors, you're virtually correct, right? Because proving something is immoral uh, or that a major theological doctrine is wrong uh, to a 95.01% is is really hard to do. So so in that sense, yeah, for practical purposes, it's virtually impossible for you to convince me of something like that. But here's right. how you could as a skeptic. Okay. You can you can attack the overriding argument. You can, you can say you you've done it on this show. You've tried to argue that the Bible's not sufficiently attached. Um, although when they were not doing another show, you you argue that actually it is. Biblical inerrancy is the whole thing is um, has to be inerrant kind of thing, or or you've denied my argument from undue confusion. You you take massive issue with the undue confusion thing, so you could try to, or you could attack. Well, Christianity's not true. You could attack my reasons for believing it's true, or provide negative evidences. So there are ways for you to counter my overriding argument. Um, and and yeah, if as I was going to say, if Val's listening, I I would actually be interested to hear him because I think he'll. He'll recognize the validity. Forget the religious context or whatever. Um, I think he'll recognize, in general, there there is a case for overriding arguments that can override a, an individual piece of evidence that sure. might. It, it overrides your common sense. It overrides your conscience. It overrides the literature. It overrides everything because what you have is faith in Christianity. That's the that's the thing that overrides. Yeah, but we do that in secular, in sec, like it's not an invalid concept, right? Like we we do that. You might do that with quantum yeah, physics, it, 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 for it example, right? Of, like, no, sorry? no. I, I so I believe that gravity. Um, I I think that's a, a pretty well established law, but my faith in gravity, my faith, which is not not the correct word, so don't try to hang me with that. My my belief. Uh, in uh, in understanding of gravity can be shaken today it could be it could be shaken right now all i have to do is without any explanation fall up and through the roof and and Let, you know assuming that, that assuming that i can survive and investigate that and, and there's, you know, there's no no but okay <laughs> not prior to the investigation though. Let, let let's say that happens Let's say you you're instantly sucked up through the roof. That's the individual piece of evidence, and, you, and but we have all the other evidence supporting that the law of gravity is true. That would be the overriding argument. You wouldn't take this one case and say, "Oh, well, gravity's false." Actually, you would say, "Well, no, there's got to be." I think you failed to understand how physics works. One uh, one uh, disconfirmation is enough to prove that your theory is That's, wrong. No, but it's not. It, 
it has to be a disconfirm approvably approvable disconfirmation, right? It's, right. But you just said this one thing wouldn't prove it, and if in fact this one thing did happen, uh, and it was recordable, and uh, you know people could see that it happened, that would disprove it. We would, in fact, go back to the drawing board. Yeah. So okay. So the principle of falsification, denying it's the logic of denying the consequent, right? So if you actually prove let let's say you prove to me 100 percent or something that some that would overwhelm the overriding arguments that i think christianity is true but that's that's not what we're saying you're not justified in saying oh well because you were sucked up the roof um that disproves gravity that you're not allowed to do that you've got to assess what maybe you were sucked up by a tractor beam or something i don't know um they're you wouldn't just, you know, sure, there are but, but that being, that being sucked take... up through the roof would give me reason uh, to do the investigation. It would give sure. me reason, yep. in fact, to doubt gravity. Now, I might be, I, you know, I would, I would be in a position where uh, something that I didn't think would be possible just happened. I am not going to doubt that it just happened. I am going to, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to make sure that I didn't fall asleep and have a hallucination. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to look into those things, but I now have reason to believe that something is true other than the thing that I woke up this morning believing is true. But for you, there is nothing that can make you go there because you have already accepted the position that Christianity is true and anything that, that uh, pushes against that is automatically untrue. Even if that means it goes against your conscience, it goes against your um, education, your, your uh, academic way of reading uh, and understanding literature, if it goes against uh, common sense, you, it does not matter. You will assume that it is, in fact, supporting the Christian idea, because for you, the Christian idea cannot be challenged. It's... I didn't say it can't be challenged, of course. That's what I just said, that you can attack the overriding argument. You can challenge that. Well, but that, but that there's no evidence that someone could bring up that would make you doubt. So I, I'm not entirely sure, in fact, how one could challenge uh, the way you're saying, because you have already determined that something simply must be true. No, but you could. It's, it's a question of degrees, right? Like, here, here's the example. Pretend there's that example of you being sucked up, out of the roof and pretend you can't. You investigate it, and it's actually true. It, it, it literally happened. It wasn't a hallucination or a dream. Mm -hmm. um, but let, let's say what, what happened is aliens came over, and they used a tracker, tractor beam, and they sucked you up. So we have all this evidence. I don't know how convinced you are of the law, the truth of the law of gravity. Alan would probably say we're 99.999. I'm really convinced of it. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So you're 95% or more, let's say, right? Sure, yeah. Then you have this one isolated piece of evidence where you were you were sucked up and you have no you can't investigate you have no idea how that happened why that happened you okay. know it it happened so here you... at the very least Dale I would I would say at that yep. point I am no longer ninety five con uh, percent convinced of the law of gravity okay where but would you still believe in the law? Like, where would you be what where would you I wouldn't well I wouldn't believe in it personally because I just got sucked up through the roof. So, so, so I may not. I may the, not have all the evidence, the mathematical well, evidence, the, actually, the scientific all the, evidence. All the evidence really. says that I couldn't get sucked up through the roof. 
so the, the moment that that happens, I have uh, I have justification oh, uh, to to no longer believe the thing that I woke up that morning believing. Now, here's the thing: I may not be right because if in your scenario, I, do, I can't investigate it further. I don't know what happened. No one can figure out what happened. Everybody knows I just got sucked up through the roof, uh, but nobody knows what happened. We can't investigate it further. Uh, it's just a mystery. There, not everyone is going to disbelieve in the law of gravity, but I, I guarantee you that piece of data right there will send everybody in physics back to the drawing board because what they would no. need to do is figure out why I just got sucked up through the roof. True. They, they would need to figure it out, but that's not the way science works. They don't, oh, there's a natural anomaly. Let's overturn the laws of science. It, it takes a lot to overturn an established law of science. Well, I think I, I disagree. It would, it would, in fact, once again, I don't, I don't know that immediately all science books would be uh, ripped to shreds, but everyone would go back to the drawing board. There's not a university uh, around that would not devote 100% of their resources to figuring it out. They, they sure. would not simply say, oh, well, you know, gravity, we've had it for so long, so the guy getting sucked up through the roof, don't look over there, never mind. That is, in fact, not how science works. It, of course, they you're, would... You're they, just wrong they, if, they would if you think otherwise. No, but you're, you're not understanding the way science works then. So it, it's true that every scientist in the world would be, what the heck's going on? And they would try, they would do everything they can to explain this natural anomaly, this anomaly that took place. But let's say after all that, they they couldn't tell that this alien did this. They don't know. They they wouldn't be like, okay, well, this natural anomaly overturns all of the law of gravity. They would uphold the overriding evidence and arguments for the law of gravity and just say, well, we don't know what happened with this natural anomaly. It it takes multiple, like, yeah, law, laws of science are not overturned like that in science. It It takes multiple natural anomalies and and stuff to for us to uh what's the word I'm so looking? we yeah Amanda so we could, we, could, we could debate this to non-scientists and we can we can both uh boast about how many physics books we've read and how many hours of physics we've consumed and none of that would ultimately matter i i can remember though just a few years ago there was a um there was an experiment that had to do with the speed of light and neutrinos or some such and uh, some scientists thought that um, they had found an exception to uh, something uh, traveling at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, and the world of science stopped for a moment. And someone figured out, oh, actually, your, your testing was an error. And they realized, oh, yes, the testing was an error. And we, and we took a sigh of relief and went back to knowing what we knew. That is what science does. Because one, one instance of it being uh, wrong would have made us recalculate everything. One instance. It doesn't take a bunch of instances. One instance did it then. Now, it, once again, all of science held their breath, did the experiments, came back fairly quickly and said, now nah, you're wrong. Yeah, but, but, if, you see, but if it had yeah. been right, then... Uh, then we would not be talking about the speed of light anymore the way we used to. Right. So you're talking because science has to eliminate those various options, right? Like they didn't just go. But what, oh, I'm, well. what I'm saying is it doesn't take more than one disconfirmation. One disconfirmation is enough. Okay. 
And, I and, would agree. and the way you're talking, you know, one disconfirmation is not enough. In fact, there there is not enough disconfirmations to make you think that Christianity is ultimately wrong. Because okay. you've already decided that Christianity is ultimately right, and therefore all other evidences uh, are wrong. Okay, so you're okay. So you're correct on the assumption that it's been 100% proven that it is a disconfirmation. Um, in my my examples, I'm not assuming that you're, it hasn't been 100% proven that aliens didn't use a tractor beam. We just don't know, and that's where you're making the mistake. You can't you can't just be like. Oh well, for all I know, the law of gravity must have been falsified by me being sucked up the roof. You've got to take the effort to eliminate those options before you have the right to say no. Actually, the law of gravity has been 100% proven to be uh, has been 100% disproven through the process through the principle of falsification. Mm-hmm. It's it's that's what you have to do. And I'm not there. I'm not 100% on these examples that you give up. So I I. There's the, there is that small probability. Let, let's say I'm at 65% for the women, uh, the women thing. Well, that means there's 35% chance I've got it wrong. And given my overriding argument, I'm taking that 35%. I'm saying, well, so, somehow there's uh, I screw I messed up or screwed up or something like that. Yeah, you you just can't read the you've you've misread the plain words in the book. You that's what you assume. <laughs> well, according to you, I do that all. I, I do that all well, the time, right? You said I don't know the biblical scholarship or the literature, so according to you, yeah, that's I can sure. do that. <laughs> so sure, you you could. I think it's disingenuous though, because you're saying, oh well, you know, this thing that I thought was immoral uh, a minute ago. Oh, I see it's in the Bible now, so maybe it's not immoral. Uh, okay. That's that that would be the problem there, and I, I think that you know, in, with regard to some of the the moral issues that people comment on this is the kind of thing they're talking about you know for a fact they're immoral until you run into in the bible and then you special plead and say oh well i guess it's not immoral so here here's why i'm valid though in in doing that because our our moral i see both our moral consciences and the bible as as a christian as avenues for gaining moral knowledge right um because of my overriding argument. So neither neither are necessarily perfect. There could be errors, uh, even moral errors in the Bible, but I think it, my overriding argument makes that very unlikely. There can also be errors in people's moral consciences, right? I, I mean, people, your attacks, the skeptics' attacks on me, they think I'm the one with a defective conscience on these slavery or, or sexism things. So, Obviously, it's therefore possible, and if you guys are right, that it, it's actually true of me, that my my moral conscience is not infallible. It, it's got problems, too. And I preference specific propositional revelation that's been warranted in me believing it over and above my moral intuitions or moral conscience uh, belief, beliefs produced through my moral conscience and that sort of thing. I, I would prefer that because that's more specific than than the moral conscience that's why i preference it does that make sense uh sure i i think just for clarification though people are not necessarily appalled because they think you are going to suppress women and own slaves 
they are appalled because you would rather think that that is okay than to denounce your God when you think your God doesn't think it's okay. But yeah, do you, do you see, uh, are our moral consciences infallible? Do, do they ever lead us to false moral conclusions? Would you at least admit that much? Uh, yeah, but I would also say that that's our, our conscience tempered with good genetics and society are all we have. Is, that's all we've got. We don't have anything outside of that. Uh, so I have, in fact, believed things in my life that I've later come to, to understand were wrong. But I don't necessarily apologize for believing, for having believed those wrong things. That was part of my social conditioning. Uh, it was it was a part of my physical makeup at the time, and I was in fact doing the best I could with what I had. What would have been wrong is if I had gone against that to to take on someone else's belief or idea at the time and gone against what I thought was right. Uh, so I I think that's where you know some of the real crime happens. Um, you on your own without the influence of religion would not be inclined to think that certain things were okay. It is only with the influence of religion that you would think certain things are okay. And this is a problem with religion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If it's a problem of false religions. So from, from your perspective, that could include Christianity, right? I, I get that. Right. Um, so, I'm sort of, in, there's two different contexts in which I'm asking this. So I, I'm answering right now from a Christian perspective. I've got this overriding argument, but I was totally, I was with you when I believed that when I was 65% certain that those verses were immoral. Um, yep, that was a negative evidence. I put it at 65% and took away, and that's that to my mind in isolation showed Christianity was probably false. So I, I wouldn't expect. A skeptic who doesn't uh, have this overriding argument or doesn't see the overriding argument as warranted being able to use that for their making moral decisions. Divine revelation is just meaningless. This is just another false revelation and you're, you're absolutely right that there is a logical pathway that religion can allow people. Uh, I, I've just admitted that, that this is if it wasn't for my belief that Christianity is true and the Bible is sufficiently attached and that there is this argument from undue confusion, um, I would, I would, assuming I was right in my interpretation, which I'm not sure about now because I, I do, I am more iffy, but let's pretend I was right that it, I'm 65% certain that these sexist verse are immoral. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have went with 35%. I would have went with the balance of probabilities. So you're you're right there. Sure. Okay. Well, so I, I think we've gone far enough down that road in case people have forgotten how we got down that road. <laughs> it is uh, that uh, Dale believes in spiritual war solely on the basis of the Bible says so. And he's not really uh, prepared to uh, 
call this one of those areas where the Bible might be wrong about. He's not actually considering that this is a Bible error. Uh, he believes that this is uh, too important of a doctrine. He would be right about that, I would uh, say, for Christianity. It is too important of a doctrine to just uh, cast aside. Therefore, you have to believe that it is true, or you would have to greatly modify your Christianity so that it doesn't look much like Christianity. Absolutely. Uh, and one, one so. thing just to clarify as well. Thank you for bringing it back to the to the actual topic. Yeah, because um, here here's one difference with this. I, I would classify the spiritual war an important theological doctrine, and that qualifies under my overriding argument as well. So, so yeah, David is right that I would hold, you know, pretty much the same standard for me to admit this is an error or not believe in it. Uh, however, there is a difference here with the spiritual warfare versus the moral things we we're talking about. At least with the moral things, there is there is one thing where I was saying, well, my conscience tells me this is probably wrong, and I'm having to override it. In the spiritual warfare, there, there's you've admitted you you can't prove. There's no reason to think that it's improbable, even in isolation, that it's true. Wait, 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 wait! I didn't say that there is no reason to believe it's improbable. I simply said that I'm not making the case that it's impossible. There's a difference between improbable uh -huh. and possible. Impossible in the in the grand scheme of the cosmic foam and multiple universes and infinite uh, timeline. Uh, who knows what's possible? Don't care. Um, so I'm not arguing a matter of possibilities. Uh, for me, it is improbable enough so that I don't need to care, and there's nothing that you can offer a reasonable person that would make them care. Um, okay. that, so is, I, that is my argument. Okay, so, so in that case, then, I care. Like, would you mind just maybe listing some of the reasons that you think it's in, that a spiritual war as defined in the Bible is improbable? Uh, I see no effects of it. Okay, so it's it, so this is the claim that it's invisible kind of thing, right? Well, it's not just a claim; it's invisible. the The Bible talks about uh, enemies without bodies. It's invisible. Uh, so, sorry, it is invisible, and invisible is reason enough for me to doubt it. Now, it that doesn't mean that um, you know. If, if there's if there's some way for you to show me this invisible thing or the inf the effects of the invisible thing <coughs> great I mean black holes are invisible in the sense that we can't see them directly but we have reason to believe it's there dark matter dark energy is invisible in that we can't see it directly we have reason to believe it's there can you do the same for spiritual warfare okay so okay um, so it's it's going back to you know the fairies in the garden type type argument that atheists uh, like to use kind of thing. So in the absence of evidence... I, I feel I, like I was I, just really fair uh, to you. I, I gave you examples of things that we could not see but believe are there. And and I ask you if you could do the same thing for spiritual war. Yeah, so I'm, I'm answering you by saying that uh, this you're, in order to make that claim, you have to prove that they're actually not there. You can't just... I don't buy this argument that because it's invisible, uh, or and by invisible I don't just mean we can't see it. Uh, like it's not provable. Let's let's say uh, that therefore they're not true. This this to my mind is fallacious reasoning. Um, okay, but I we, didn't we I didn't argue that. I said that because it's invisible. I don't believe it. I don't see oh. any reason to believe it. You can't show it to me. You can't give me any effects of it. 
So it let's just let's just go all the way and say it could be true, but it's if it's true, I can't know it's true, and you can't either. Okay. Uh, well, you you can't know it's true at least. No, but you can't either. <laughs> so I, I show can me. through the Bible, right? Through the okay, divine but, revelation. So, but <laughs> so I've I've granted that the only reason anyone would ever believe this stuff is because they bought into a story. Um. You, but that is not a rational reason to believe uh, this. It, you know, if you're trying to convince someone that, that some war is going on, I'm sorry. So, yeah, uh, I am. I am not trying to disprove that invisible things aren't there. I don't even know how it do that. It's invisible, for Pete's sake. Okay. Uh, okay. So, but so. you are trying to convince me that the invisible thing is there, and I'm. I'm trying to give you a way to do that by at least showing me some effects that would make me think that this is the only reasonable uh, explanation. Okay, so so great. So we're back to the beginning of the show, right? So you, you I characterized you correctly. You were, you were not making the claim that it's improbable. It's just you no, don't no, believe No, no, I'm it. not making the claim that it's impossible. Stop mixing those things up. <laughs> but you're the one. Okay, so then you have to prove that that contradicts what you just said. Then everything you just said, because if you're going to say that it's in, the fact that it's invisible or not detectable does not make it improbable. It just means it, it's a we don't know. What, no, it's it's improbable because it has a it's invisible and b it has no effects. You see, the reason that black holes are probable is because we can we can trace the effects. Right. You, you haven't given me any effects. Yeah, and I I said I can't prove that would be me making a claim. People make claims that okay, black holes. Okay, so it, it is improbable to me then that your claim is real, since there is nothing that you can give me, other than a story in the book. That it exists because also it doesn't it doesn't conform to anything that I know in reality. So if you were telling me something that I could not okay. see, but it also conformed with things that I did otherwise believe, you know, maybe that would be a different conversation. But we're not even having that conversation. Okay, so I think that's what I was looking for you to try and say. You're you're making this naturalism of the gaps type argument. I, I know that's you're not you don't like that characterization but that's the way i see it I is, is you're, you're silly, saying that go ahead <laughs> well i think you're making this presumption because natural law is the way it works and that that sort of thing um you know that's what we always tend to observe and that sort of thing and there's no proof of effects that someone trying to make a claim that the spiritual war is going on therefore the presumption is it's not happening and that I well, think the, that's, the, presumption, that's... the presumption is you can't prove it and you can't you can't make a case true. that would make a reasonable person believe it. So yeah. th this is Direct, directly, right? Like, well, you, I don't get directly or otherwise. I don't. Where's your case? What is your case other than it's in a book and uh, it's there? I, you know, I can. <laughs> why? Okay. W wait a minute. Do you think that it would be just if I were to uh, say there are fairies, try to disprove it? The fact that you could not disprove it would not make it probable that there are fairies. You you are confusing right. what probability even means. So mm -hmm. the fact that I cannot pr prove that it is impossible that there is a spiritual war does not make it at all probable. Okay, so uh, technically speaking, I would you should be at fifty fifty. Kind of thing, right? Um, 
No. Now it's, <laughs> no, I, th- I should no more be at 50-50 for your spiritual war than, I, than you should be for my fairies. <laughs> no. Yes. Every, everything that someone says out of their mouth that they can't prove is not a 50-50 possibility. That is not how the world works. No, but it... it it's not it how should... math works. It's not how yeah. logic works. No, that is how logic works. That's the way it no. should be. If, no. Unless you present... Like, I would present reasons to rule out the fairies through that naturalism type thing. Because I, I think that applies there, but not in the case of religion. So let, let's forget about Christianity. Jin, the existence of jinn. Let's, let's say a Muslim says that jinn did something. And I'm evaluating that in the context of, of, is this true or not? Okay, well, this is part of a religious system. So I need to evaluate whether the religion itself is true or not. I start... 50-50, a blank claim. Do you, how, how would you... Yeah, Why would first, you start 50-50? Because we start as a blank slate. That's so, not okay, blank. Jim, what? That's not blank. 50-50, well, that, okay, it's, it depends on... There, it could be true or it's not true. That's what I mean by 50-50. Okay, but uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even believe that we start there. So the, what, you're, what you're saying is that any wild-ass claim that anyone makes is automatically 50% probable, simply because they said it and you can't disprove it. Uh, yeah. I, okay, that's, 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 that's should... ridiculous, and that is not how it works. No, no it is. Okay, I would, we're look, smuggling in background information to make it improbable. I would that's love I, to I, see anybody who is fairly well-versed in philosophy or logic, which, uh, admittedly, I didn't, I, I didn't take uh, a lot of classes in that a little bit. Val did, and he would agree with you. So let, let's say that. But he, when we talked it out, I think that we're saying the same thing. He, he's basically... For me, it's a tactical decision. I, if you just come to me and say gin are real, I'll be like, okay, well, 50-50 then. If I want to take okay. that claim seriously, then, then, then I think then you're you a nutter. Can, <laughs> no, but then you can you can present the naturalism of the gaps type argument to try and disprove it. That could be a negative evidence against the existence of gin. If, if it would depend if that's a good argument or not, right? Um, also, he could present either direct evidence for the existence of, of the jinn, which to my mind, I don't think he can give. And I, I can't give that as a Christian for angels for spiritual warfare. Or he can try to prove it indirectly through proving the religion itself is true. He would say, well, I know jinn exist because Islam is true. Islam, the Quran is sufficiently attached to Islam and the Quran teaches there are jinn. So I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to attack that overriding thing. How, how do you know Islam's true? And then we can operate on that. Right, but I, I, I do not interact with every claim in, in this way. The sure. fact that someone makes a claim does not, in fact, put it on in the ballot as, as 50-50. You don't even get on the ballot that way. And what you're saying is everything gets on the ballot of possibilities. Um, and, and that simply is not how... Um, a reasonable world operates. I'm sorry. So it's, it's I, true. Listen, I, I listen, I am God. Now, as far as you're concerned, that's a 50, 50 proposition could be true because yeah. you can't prove it's not. That's ridiculous. Uh, oh, I am God. <laughs> I am God. Uh, I right. am. That's um, my proposition. Prove me wrong. You can't do it. So by your logic, 50-50, maybe I am, 
Okay. Um, yeah, there there could be ways you would have to assess the positive and negative evidences in whichever way. No, 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 no. no. Let's not. That's could, not. That's not want... We don't need. No, don't worry about the next step. From by your argument, we don't need the next step to get to fifty-fifty. Just because I said it, it's fifty-fifty. Until you can disprove it. In fact, if, it's it's not just possible; it's probable that I'm God, because you can't disprove it. But the, but this is no, how I never say is, that. Okay. I never said that. I, okay, I well. denied it. Right. I, I I am making the claim, which seem I get that it seems ridiculous, but I I do it on purpose because I think that that leads to better. Comp- if we're talking about it in the context of a conversation or something, it's it's obviously not practical to live your life this way. Uh, or to run your beliefs this way. Yeah, I don't see the point. It's not, but it's logical to do this. If I, if I, if you wanted to assess the whether I'm God or not, I mean, so, certainly it's possible for God to uh, manifest no, Himself. No, it's not. How do you body. know that? You're, you're starting off with a uh, with a. It's possible, okay. and you haven't even established that it's possible. Be- beautiful. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, so great. So if I make a claim, I'm God. We should both start, okay, well, if we're going to try to prove that, we're starting at 50-50. Nope. You're going to present a negative evidence. You just pre- I'm saying put that as a negative evidence that, no, actually, I can claim that God can't manifest himself physically or something. So, therefore, it's not an equally probable option. I'm not going to be a blank slate. I've got a reason to think that you're not God because I have some argument, whatever argument you had in mind that God can't manifest himself physically which i'm interested in i mean that sounds ridiculous uh, uh, I, I don't know how you got there but yeah if, if no, you had I, that didn't, argument. I didn't say he couldn't i just said prove that he can't you just made a state once again you make a claim and you think that that goes in the evidence pile it does not you you your claim is god can manifest himself anyway how do you know that establish that you can't establish that <laughs> and and so you're treating this you're treating my claim as if it had enough validity to even start talking about, it does not. By the way, uh, anyone listening, I'm really not God. <laughs> okay, I don't. You, are, you did I, admit to being a demon. Though, I, the other week. I am the devil. <laughs> yeah. um, but <laughs> and and that's at least fifty-fifty probable. <laughs> if, if I wanted to take that that claim seriously, then yeah, I would. I would look at the positive and negative. Evidences. Well, wait, wait, why wouldn't you take it seriously, Dale? Don't you have to take it seriously? I mean, it's a claim of serious import. Uh, you're claiming spiritual warfare. You think that I should take that seriously? Now, you don't give me a shred of evidence for it. You don't even give me good textual evidence for it. Um, I, I don't have good religious evidence for it, quite frankly. But but you want me to believe it at the at, at very at the very least at a fifty percent probability. Um, why should I, why should I believe that? It's, you're not believe when you're at a 50%, that doesn't mean you believe. Well, why should I even, why should I even buy it at 50%? It's, it's, I'm not at 50% yet. No, but it, okay. So I'm not at 2%. Yes, why should I, I start my count at 50? Okay. Okay. So the way we're using the probabilities is different. When I say 50, 50, that's equivalent. Yeah, I'm using it right. And you're using it wrong. Correct. You're you're right on that front. Technically speaking, what I'm saying is zero percent. It's been zero percent proven. I I haven't proven 
a positive claim that I am God. That's zero percent. That when I say fifty-fifty, that's what I mean. And and you are using it correctly. But I do that for a specific purpose because in Bayes' theorem, if anything anything that's fifty-fifty doesn't make an impact. Fifty percent doesn't make an impact on the cumulative calculation. So this is why I phrase it this way. I, I use the fifty percent in the same way that you're using the zero percent. But, on both so let both. me explain why your use of it even as you explain it is wrong because if you start at 50 percent then any positive evidence or negative evidence makes the case so if if you say something yeah. and i think huh well that that's one percent the other side i guess the probability is you are god well, yeah. that's that's faulty math and faulty logic, because actually oh. all you have is one percent. Okay, you don't so have fifty-one percent. You you right. have not tipped the scale in the balance just because you give a piece of positive information and I don't have a piece of positive information. That doesn't make it more likely to be true. Correct. Yeah. So I I only include the only things that make. In Bayes' theorem, the only thing that makes it go up are claims that are 51, 50 points, anything over 50%, you know, 50.0001, whatever you want to give it. That's the only thing that makes it go up. If you're below, if I gave it a 47%, that would make the overall probability drop over overall. So this is this is why I do it as 50-50. As anything that's, so when I'm making a positive claim, if I can only prove something 30%, it, it's not in the calculation. 50% or below is, is meaningless. Now, let, like, for example, with Jesus, exist, Jesus existing, let's pretend I can't prove that. It, I can only prove 40% or something that Jesus existed. So then I would, dis, I would okay, I, then I'm still at the blank slate. I don't know if Jesus existed because you haven't proven on a balance of probabilities that he does exist. However, you, a skeptic could then take that evidence and say, well, yeah, but then there's a, a 60% or I can present negative evidence in the amount of 60% that Jesus didn't exist. Then I would factor in 60% as a negative evidence converted into positive turns 40%. So then I, then I would be lowered and say Jesus probably didn't exist. Like you can use it both ways when you're at the 50-50. Okay. And I, yeah, I shouldn't say, I, I know you're not a math guy, so yeah. sorry, I should. <laughs> well, look, we're now, we're 18 minutes in. So, okay. um, I think that, uh, I think, I think we've, I think we've said it, uh, spiritual warfare, uh, folks, uh, Harry Potter's a better story. Read that. Um, until a Christian gives you any reason at all to believe their fantasy about spiritual war, uh, don't buy it. F furthermore, you should be very wary of Christians who speak this way. Uh, militant language outside of the military uh, is dangerous. People who, people who speak this way on a regular basis about mundane things uh, might be a little bit cracked. Uh, and those people actually do carry out their faith in very uh, dangerous and devastating ways. Uh, stay away from them. They think that you're the enemy. In fact, they think that the 12-year-old girl in uh, Malaysia is working for the devil. Uh, and if they don't think that 12 is the age of accountability, 13, 14. At, at some point, she's an agent of the devil. Um, 
the people who are voting for Donald Trump, uh, the people who are uh, looking to uh, send this caravan away, you know, maybe there's some good uh, social reasons, I don't know, but most of them think that these people are the devil uh, and on a mission from the devil. I mean, they even speak this way. They talk about them as invaders, and they're, they're largely fundamentalist Christians. Uh, crazy manifests itself when you start with this war talk uh, and so, sure, by all means, warn me of a war, warn me of danger. But then when you warn me of danger, you actually better have something real to say that I can sink my teeth in. Oh, I see that thing there that does look dangerous. I'll avoid that. Thank you. They can't even give you that much. And so until then, when they start babbling about spiritual warfare, you should write them off of your guest list uh, for oh, for your dinner on. party. Because be so because they're <laughs> freaking nuts um, <laughs> okay and so, so that's that's my closing argument people uh right. thanks so <laughs> my i guess for my final final word then i'll just say all right well woohoo uh david admitted that i'm not cracked because uh the spiritual warfare thing is not a normal part of my discourse so uh i'm glad to hear that but also i want to be fair to david um he is absolutely correct as a skeptic, I have presented zero uh, direct evidence or warrant um, as to the existence of a spiritual war. Um, and as a skeptic, yeah, I don't expect you to believe it. You shouldn't. You would be a fool if you did, just based on nothing. You, you should be in that blank, blank slate. Uh, or if you have reasons to think it's improbable, uh, great, then you think it's improbable because I've given you nothing. Um, I have given you indirect, uh, an indir indirect way of potentially coming to believe in this. So Christians are warranted in believing in a spiritual warfare uh, because I believe that the Bible does teach that there is a spiritual war or contest. Like, I, I don't know, the war word might be bringing to mind certain certain things that are not actually a part of it and maybe that's why david says the bible doesn't teach spiritual warfare um but there is at the very least there is this contest or and the bible speaks of it using the analogy of battle uh christians have to be on their guard wearing spiritual armor such as the word as the sword or the breastplate of righteousness uh sandals of something else and, and stuff like that so there, this is ephesians chapter six so um, Christians are warranted in believing in the spiritual warfare, um, and there is an indirect way that I know of that perhaps you could convince skeptics of, that it is true if you wanted to make a positive claim. Um, but as to directly, I think David's absolutely right. I, I, at least I don't know how to make that case, because even if I prove, well, there's a, a paranormal event, or there's an apparition Okay, uh, all the skeptic has to do. Well, maybe that was that's not a demon. That's a ghost. Uh, oh shoot! I, I don't I don't know how to say no. That's that's a demon. That's not a ghost, or that's not an alien, or or something. Even at that level, I I can't establish the case, let alone prove a spiritual war. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with agree with David on that much. Okay, so uh, that, that said, <laughs> uh, you're you're reinvited to dinner, Dale. 
Um, all right, so, all right. No, no. <laughs> no so, crack. So yeah, no, you're, you're well. <laughs> there are other reasons that you're cracked, <laughs> but, okay. well, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, thank, Thanksgiving. Your your invitation is going to go out. Um, so uh, oh, yeah, you guys, we already had ours uh, Thanksgiving because we're in Canada, right? So uh, you got <laughs> Canada. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. Sure. I'll get a double check. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So uh, next week, uh, Dale, do you want to tell them what we're talking about? Um, so yeah, this is going to be the first part in a series. Um, and it's going to be on Messianic prophecies. And I'm actually going to put myself out there because uh, I, when I studied it originally, uh, I kind of came to the conclusion, well, I, I can't prove prove it um, or anything. I, I think I based on the evidence, I do have a properly based belief, and I think I can prove that in terms of the Jewish Messiah, based on the Old Testament prophecies, not the typologies, but the actual prophecies that I think are provably pro- prophet, that are provable prophecies, I can say it's either Jesus or it's no one. And then based on that, I'm going to actually try to make a claim uh, and, and see if I can come up with an argument that works based on that qualified argument that it's Jesus or no one. Um, it might fail. I have no idea how it's going to come out. So, but yeah, that'll be a multi-part series. Yeah, it's going to fail. Uh, but I uh, might be right. Might I look right. forward to it. I uh, so honestly, I I care about prophecy on about the same level as I care about the shroud. So, but uh, I, but I will not defer this one. I will actually get out of bed for this one, and I will go ahead and dig up some stuff and pre- prepare for that because it, it will be interesting. I hope that Joyce comes around for that. I know that uh, Joyce, if you're listening, uh, I know that you care about prophecy. So at the very least come around in the comments. Um, yeah. So th- that should be, that should be fun. And if we, if we do that for two or three weeks, I'll, I'll participate and do a, do a positive uh topic on that next week if uh, that follows in with dale's line of thinking so um prophecy it's not it's not that i'm unprepared for it it's just that i don't care uh but perhaps i can make the case for why i don't care and um okay okay yeah, yeah so so, that will be sorry about that i forgot okay um yeah i was i was just thinking because skeptics complain that a lot of times i'm not actually making claims so i was like okay well you know what this time i'm gonna actually make a claim I might, I might fail in that, establishing that claim or not. I, I don't know if I can argue that the Messianic prophecies are a G belief authenticating event, but you know, I thought the skeptics would appreciate. I'm going to try, even if I fail, so be it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, which is why I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do my part in this one and try to give, give a good counter argument. Besides, I don't care. <laughs> So, All right. Cool. Well, you'll, you'll so, be happy. The first, the first, one of the first topics is the virgin birth. Um, so excellent. I know that you know about that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, in fact, uh, I was going to save uh, the virgin birth, birth for a Christmas special. But, I was uh, thinking that too, but yeah. then I was like, huh, I, I just got to do it because he keeps bringing it up. So, <laughs> so no, well, look, 
there's plenty of fodder for the Christmas special. Don't worry. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we're doing a round table too, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll that'll be fun. Speaking of round table, uh, so what's going on in the real world, uh, folks, is that uh, Dale and I are going to hang up. I'm going to grab some lunch, and then we're going to get back on the mic and do the round table, uh, which I will put out quite possibly the same day as uh, as this program. So I'm not sure which you will hear first. But whichever one you hear first, look for the other. So if you've already heard the roundtable, then I guess you've already got this one. But if you hear this one, look around for the roundtable. It probably went up shortly after this tip. Okay. And just before you go, uh, the Shroud parts 9 and nine and or 10. I don't know what your plan is, but just for the... Have we done 8 yet? Uh, we finished 8. Um, that was, I think, two weeks ago. Okay. Um, right. And I submitted 9 and 10, which... I want, because it's the same theory, I want that to go up before it gets interrupted with Barry Schwartz or or Alan type stuff. So I promise that I will get uh, Shrouds 9 and 10 up before you hear the renowned Barry Schwartz. Uh, so a uh, lot of Shroud stuff this week. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Talk to you later, guys. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>